It was at this moment that he knew. He bucked up. Welcome. You're listening to Bucked Up with Sam Buck. We were talking about uh, once you get, like, the five minutes writing new material. Yeah. 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 Because, like, for me, like, it started, like, until I met Josh Blue, my my career was, like, I mean, in terms of, it it was not even a career. It's like Mm -hmm. I'm hanging out at the clubs and and trying to get guest parts and, you know, meet comedians, uh, see if they like my set, you know. Yeah. That was my only thing. Like, if I do a guest part, if if the actual comedian likes me, they might let me hang out with them that I could get more opportunities to guest spot. Mm-hmm. That was my only thing. And I used to hang out with, at, at uh, Catch a Rising Star, Mike Tomasino, he passed away oh, during COVID. Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, he, I still think like he's watching over me because he, he really like took me aside and he was like, yo, you have something, you should keep doing this. And, um, and then, like, he, he was managing me. He, he, oh, really? He, he's my manager. He's like, one day, he's like, Vishnu, I've been in this business for 30 years. I never managed anyone. Uh, but uh, if it's okay with you, I would like to manage you. Wow. And I was like, wow, man. Like, you know, I don't have, I'm not making any money. And he's like, it's okay. Whatever you make, I'll take 10%. <laughs> 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 And uh, and he he was um, you know he was uh, helping me meet comics. I met I met Paul Virzi through him. Oh, through okay. Yeah. So yeah. he was how long into comedy did he give you that offer? Uh, that was like I was maybe in three three and a half years into it. I, I I mean the thing is like everything helped me. Like I was doing open mics, but I was afraid to go out to like clubs. Mm-hmm. And then I, r- I saw, um, um, I read this book by Kevin Hart. Uh, that that was like, you know. Open His like you know, self-help book. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've read that like, too. You know, yeah. I didn't make it make this up or something. Like, you know, I can't make this up. Mm-hmm. That that book just changed my life because until then I was going to like Mike, Mike Tomasino. You know, people that that I know I, I can go and like, you know, have a happy time. Yeah. I, and then I was like, you know what? I gotta go to places that I haven't been to after I read the book. Yeah. Then I went to Tina Graham's room in like '78, and she started. You know, she liked me, and you know, it's it's like that five minutes you get. Like, you know, I wanted to impress them. Yeah. And and that's how I met Josh Blue um, in Stress Factory. They let me do a guest part. He saw me, and he was like, "Hey, you're funny. I'm always looking for good comics. Uh, stay in touch." And I was like, okay, I'm not going to let him go. I'm going to like attach myself to him. So I looked up where else he's coming, and he was coming to Albany. And I, I pinged him. I was like, hey, man, is it cool if I come there and do a, a guest spot? And and I went there, and I did a guest spot, and I did an entirely different spot, different material, like, you know? And and then I went to um, another, another club somewhere else. He was coming, like, a few months later. Mm-hmm. I, I hit him up. I went there again did a different set and again i did well and and then he was like hey man uh, you're kind of following me <laughs> so we got to see like you know i i like your dedication but we got to see how i can get you paid and and then that was like a good good positive vibe for me like you know yeah. and then like one day he called me and he said hey um uh, my 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 feature bailed on me and i need a feature and i know do you have 20 minutes you know, and I was like, yeah, I have 20 minutes. And he's like, if you have 20 minutes, this is your opportunity, come by. And and I went there and he got me paid, he put me in a hotel, you know. Was that your first, yeah, like, real yeah, show real, yeah, as, like, yeah, a, yeah. a like paid was, comedian? Yeah, yeah, like, I was I was going to do guest spots where I paid for my own hotel and everything. Exactly, yeah. And, and I know features, not, not a lot of features, they don't get hotel. But Josh Blue is, like, super kind like that. He was like, hey, um, you know, I'll put you in the hotel. I'll pay you like 100 bucks a show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like, wow. Like, that's you know, that's amazing. Yeah. 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 And then like. That's what so many people's dreams. You know what yeah, I mean? Is, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. What, we, what we get into this. for. Yeah. And then and then I did well. And then um, and then Columbus, um, uh, he said, uh, hey, uh, they usually like on Thursdays, they let you headline. So if you think you have like 40 minutes, hit them up. And I said, yeah, Columbus is my hometown. I can get people there. 
and I was like, I hit them up. I said, can I do Thursday headline? And they're like, yes. And and I did I did 45 minutes, and I actually did well. I have that tape. Oh yeah. Yeah, because I have the content. It's just that I never, you know, now things started opening up, and then and then Josh Blue was impressed. He was like, uh, you know, and then somehow our our thing it became a two man show. Like you know, we we he's like, I let you do more time since you're doing well. I want you to like you know build your thing. And uh, you know, you, if you host, I'm such a really bad host. I'm like <laughs> the worst host you can ever have. But he, he's <laughs> <laughs> like I great feature, her- yeah, horrible host. Yeah, I'm hosting yeah. him for every show six times, <laughs> and every show I for- I managed to forget something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's credit or yeah. like what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> and sometimes it's like. I mean, I know if there's a guest spot or someone, I, I screw it up, and, and he's like, Vishnu, you got to work on that, man, you know? <laughs> but but he was so kind, man. Like, he let me do 30 minutes, like 25, 30 minutes. And, and every time, he's always writing new stuff. Like, if you see his material, like, mm-hmm. they, he's, it's always changing, like, you know? And and um, he's always, for me, he's like, I was telling you earlier, right? He was like, hey, um, I'm always, um, my audience are repeat audience. They love me. And I don't want to keep giving them the same show. So every time you do, you got to have something new. And that also helped me kind of get my material. Like when I, when I, when I headlined at Columbus, I was nervous. The material is funny, but my muscle memory wasn't there yet. It's, you know? Well, that's your first time doing an yeah. extended yeah. set like that. Yeah. It's about like that first, when you get your first like group of jokes that work, that yeah. you know yeah. no matter what, yeah. these jokes are yeah. going to work. It's hard than stepping away from them. Yeah. That's, I think, like a real big problem that I even feel myself. Like, I'm from Mass. So when I I did Brooklyn Comedy Club last night, like when I did that set, I want to do my new jokes, the jokes I feel more fresh, but I feel like, no, I should do the jokes I feel comfortable with. Because your muscle memory resists you. It's like, you're like, yo, man, this works. Like, just going this route, like, then you're an autopilot. Yeah. But yeah. then that's where you people get stuck. Yeah. Because the yeah. next step is no, the Josh Blue. Listen, I'm a professional. I'm yeah. always writing ma- yeah. new material. Yeah. It's not like you have a finite amount yeah. of jokes in your brain. No, yeah. you're creating kind of like the path to write new jokes yeah. about whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, like, doing longer sets helps in that sense. Um, because, like, when you're doing 20, 25 minutes, you can insert something in there. But to do that, you kind of have to go away from your muscle memory, mm-hmm. uh, because like I, you know how you categorize you like I don't know everybody works different ways. Like yeah. I categorize my jokes into different like you know themes. So when I'm in this theme, I kind of you know I I kind of know which jokes to go to. Uh, but then like if I want to add something, then I have to like kind of give it a break and go somewhere else. So for a while, I struggled doing that. But now I, I feel comfortable where I could just take a joke and just kind of pepper it anywhere in my set. You know, I don't have to worry about my segues. Yeah. Do I, you sit down and write your stuff out? No, I, I'm really bad at writing. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm always thinking about stuff in my head, and then I kind of keep reciting it, and I kind of make it into my conversation piece. Mm-hmm. So, like, if I'm hanging out with my friends... You know, a story you keep telling, yeah. you know. I Do your friends call you out on it now? All of friends being like, are you trying to bid out on us right now? You know, <laughs> the worst part is they do it when I'm not doing it. Like, you know, sometimes you're doing it and they don't even catch it. Yeah. And then when you're actually having a conversation, they'll be like, oh, you're running a bid on you're me. You're like, no. Like, no, man, I'm just trying to I'm have just a trying to be funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah I... uh I feel like I, when I write jokes, I have to be doing something else. Like, I like to go, I like to ride my bike. Yeah. So like, I like to ride my bike yeah. and come up with jokes yeah. then, because I can't look at my phone. I can't go Google yeah. something else. Yeah. My body is active, and my mind yeah. can then be, like, yeah. relaxed. But Driving, riding my bicycle, walking, mm-hmm. because I think when your body is in motion, your mind is free, because you're, you, when you are... I, it's just my theory. 
like when you are idle your mind is like what do i need to do like i'm not doing something yeah but i think when you are going from point a to point b your mind knows i can just relax and you yeah. were talking about driving to like that's where like what if i hear someone say that oh that's 30 45 minutes away i'm not going to i know that they're path. not going to like yeah make it past a certain point i will drive anywhere to do oh, a set yeah. to do and that helps me think like the driving and the that just time especially if you're driving to a show and it's like two hours away your mind's thinking about jokes for those two hours yeah. and just driving getting out of your circle is such yeah. a good way to do it is. yeah and, and the other thing is like 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 for me right like you know how you have that gut feeling you will make it mm -hmm. when you have that gut feeling either you make it or not you're willing to go the extra mile yeah you know for me like i mean this is how i am like even though i suck at playing tennis if i play it i'm playing the fucking wimbledon i'm not competitive like that mm -hmm. i'm just a show show off in my head total if like, i'm going to start something i'm going to be yeah, fully into yeah. it yeah i'm imagining like audience like cheering like every you know in my head it's yeah. like a fucking stadium you know <laughs> Do you <laughs> think that's detrimental to you at all? I don't know how you are, but before we we're talking, we were talking about weed and stuff where yeah. it's like because I want to be fully committed to something, yeah. it sometimes holds me back from trying something new. Like right now I really want to box, but I want to go full into it, so I'm scared to even start because you that's, know. That's true. I didn't do comedy for a long time because of that reason. Because I I had material I was writing it like literally my writing process is I think about a scenario a story and and then uh back then I used to just run it on my friends mm -hmm. like we get drunk and then I run my stories on them and and they know my stories you know yeah. and they always tell me like do you should take this shit on stage but I was afraid of my accent but that was really just an excuse it's what the resistance yeah. in yeah. your brain yeah. yeah and then one day my wife is like hey man like you know if you don't do this you're going to die a really sad man and uh, and and she's like you're going to make my life miserable too so you know and then and then we found that book um, um kevin hart's mm -hmm. you know until then what was just a you know open mic thing i was like i know i can do this but i don't want to you know i don't know like you know i shouldn't do this you know and then when i when i read that book i was i could literally like feel what he was thinking like every step of the way because he walks through his journey yeah. and i was like i gave it to my wife i was like you know what this is the shit we will go through like we're going to fight we are going to all this stuff is going to happen to us and and are you okay with that and she read it and she's like i really don't have a choice you know because the way i look at it, either you're going to be a sad man i'm going to live with a, with a man that wants to make it down made it because he didn't try are a man who tried and failed i would rather take the second one that's a beautiful to have support like that i yeah. think some people i know friends who are in situations where yeah. their significant other is not supportive of their dream so to have like that yeah cuz yeah. sometimes you can't make the decision yourself you need like your wife to call you cuz you have a you run a, yeah. a business like yeah. you talk about it on stage like you have a business that you run yeah. you had a whole other life so for her to be like Yeah. Well, I know that's going well, but you need to put that to the side to focus on this. Well, here is another thing too. I was working on movies by then. I had been working for about 10 years on movies, writing scripts and stuff like that. Oh, really? Yeah, because I I I but the thing is writing for movies is a little bit different because writing a whole script, I'm I'm more like a scene doctor. Like I can take mm. a scene and make it more funnier uh, or more, you know, Were you doing this professionally? Yeah, yeah. I I worked for like three Indian movies, like okay. you know, and 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 then but when I try to write a whole script, like you, you, there is not really a good job for a scene doctor, like mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like that's why writer writer rooms are better for for you know sitcoms. Yeah, exactly. You can yeah. bounce your ideas yeah. off other people, yeah. and if you but get lost, someone yeah. else picks it up. Yeah. yeah. But in India, to make it as a, as a movie director, that is really the main way to get in. um and i need to have an entire script you know and and i i have like 10 different scripts with multiple pieces mm. so i was always working on other people's scripts making them better but not really like getting my script ready 
and I came to a point where I was like, okay, now if I want to go anywhere, I have to go to India. Because I, I worked on like three movies already. I could get a director's card. I could, I could get access to people. But I have to move to India. And, and, and we didn't really want to, you know, I'm here in New York. And, you know, I, and this is what I really want to do, stand-up. All this other stuff is... Did you always, was stand-up always the thing yeah. you were... Yeah, yeah. Because when I moved here, I moved here when I was 14. I, I saw Jay Leno. Um, you know, basic cable was a thing, and Jay Leno used to come and like make fun of uh, current affairs, mm -hmm. and that was really cool. Like I didn't know he had writers behind him. Uh, for me, it's that guy is coming up every day, and he's funny as hell, and he's making jokes about current affairs like politicians. And and since I moved in, like in India now, it's they also do it in India, but mm -hmm. like in 90s, that was not a common practice. Like the mainstream media never picks on the on the on the politicians mm -hmm. they always give them that respect and and here he's making dick jokes on bill clinton you know yeah <laughs> i was like wow man that is what i want to do like if i'm going to live in this country that's what i want to do but i was all everybody always told me i have bad accent like you know like we can't understand your accent and and you know that was always the thing that that held me back do you think that's true like look, now that you have been doing stand up some time yeah. Do you think that, or as you said, do you think that was you holding yourself That back? was me holding myself because I think everything we consider, again, I'm generalizing, but I personally, my experience, everything I considered as a negative wasn't negative. It's always a different, had a different dimension to it. Because when I moved here when I was 14, I, I didn't know English. I, I, I only know my language. I, I know how to read and write because they're teachers in mm -hmm. school and all books are written in English. But we are very, um, we didn't like speaking in English. Uh, English Speaking in English made me feel very, um, uh, you know, how do you say, like uppity. Like, you know, I don't want Anxious. to show off. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, I, don't I don't want peop my friends to think like I'm showing off. Like speaking in English is oh. like trying to show off. Mm -hmm. So we don't speak in English after school. You know, or, or during school, we speak with our, in our own language. So I never practiced English. So and and also with the accent and everything, I only know how to read and write. So I could read boards and like you know, but I can't understand movies and stuff like that. So when I moved here, I couldn't talk to girls. I couldn't, you know, the the I didn't understand. Did you move it. here with your family? Yeah, I moved with my family, and I couldn't understand music, movies. It was it was like really sucky. Like I was like, "Fuck, man!" Like you know, do I? Why do I have to go through this? Yeah. But now, I'm like, okay, I moved here when I was 14, so I had a very good understanding about India, Indian culture. And then because I moved here when I'm 14, I have a very good understanding about America and American culture. So, and I don't think anyone else can claim that, you know. I'm sure there are other people that have other special skills, but I think that is my thing. Yeah. And, and at this point, even my accent, there are people that, that say my accent is what is making me funny. I know I'm funny. I would be funny in any accent. Yeah, no, you're, you're a great joke writer. Thanks. Yeah, yeah but like, you know, um, so people, what I thought was my negative, like I was like, oh man, I can't go up on stage because of my, my accent. There are actually people that thought my accent is more funny than my actual jokes. Mm -hmm. So, you know. <laughs> Do you look back at, this time how old were you when you started you said you've been doing it seven eight years yeah i was around 35 36 okay do you see the when you saw jay leno for the first time to when you got on stage for the first time do you regret that you didn't do it sooner or do you see that as like i wouldn't be who i am right now without that i definitely regret not doing it just because of the wasted time mm -hmm. it's not uh, i mean i i think no matter what time I started, I would have been the same, like in, in terms of funny, because my content changed. Like back then, uh, most of my stuff was like college stuff and, and you know, or like kid stuff. Like I still do a lot of my jokes from my childhood, mm -hmm. like stuff that happened to me when I was a kid. Yeah. So I still had all that content. In fact, like one of my my brand, like my joke is like the elephant joke, which is my closure. Mm -hmm. In fact, my T-shirt is yeah, like, you, you have know, the elephant T-shirt. Yeah, that joke I did in 
2001 uh, in New York City, um, Avenue A and, uh, and uh, First Street. There was a bar. It was like a, um, I was working on a movie and we were looking for actors and they said, hey man, this place is like a, like a place where a lot of artists come. You could find a lot of different characters. So go hang out there. So we, um, my friend and I, we went there and uh, we were trying to cast for this. This, this, this it didn't go anywhere. It was yeah. a short film. Um, and when we went there, they, they charged me five bucks. I thought that was like to watch it. But it was like an open mic thing. Yeah. Know, five bucks get you five bucks on stage. And it was like bring your own beer. So we, we had our own beer. Our, uh, we had our own weed. So <laughs> <laughs> we were high. And then the guy came up to me and and he was like, that was only, I was only in, uh, in America for like five, six years. My accent was even thicker. He was like, it's your turn. Go up. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, the five bucks, you know, go up. You have five minutes. And I didn't want to waste my five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so I went up and I told my, that I didn't know what else to talk about. And I recently watched that elephant fuck. <laughs> and I talked <laughs> about it. And people were literally rolling on the floor. <laughs> And my friends, uh, like my friend, was like, "Bro, I think you have better chances in comedy than in in filmmaking." <laughs> 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 so that joke, I lit literally had it since like two thousand one. Wow, were you married at that point? No, no, no. I got married much later. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like my wife, um, you know, she saw me perform. Like I, I emceed my brother's wedding, and mm -hmm. and and she saw like I had like I didn't prepare. Everybody was freaking out. They were like, what the fuck is he going to talk about? Like, he didn't write it down. He's not memorizing shit. And I was like... Are you known for saying crazy shit? Not crazy shit. Oh, I didn't know if they were like, oh, no, is he about to drop oh, no, some no, bombs no. on no, us no, right no, no. now? <laughs> no, it wasn't like that. It's just that they, even my parents, they never saw me, like, speak, like, you know, into a mic. Yeah. So they didn't know what is going on. My brother and I, we have a five-year age difference. So, like, our our groups like the the friends are different mm -hmm. so he never saw like you know I, I i'm always speaking at my friends weddings and stuff are like you know whatever things happen i go and say some story and it's funny you know yeah. but like they didn't know what i was going to talk about and what they know is like an mc who writes everything down and every last word like they read it and memorize it and they're sweating it out until like, they get on stage and there I was like joking around and then I go up and I did really well. Are you funny with your family? Like yeah. around what like my grandma when she met like an ex at the time when I first she was like, He's never been funny. I don't know why he wanted to do stand up. It's different, right? It depends on the people. Some people you open up mm -hmm. open up to and some people you don't. Because one hundred percent, like I can't, yeah, you can't yeah. show your true self to certain people. Yeah, and yeah. also you're absorbing more. Like uh, with my family, I was more absorbing more uh, because uh, my dad is extremely funny, my mom is funny, my grandfather is like really funny. The whole <laughs> town, like my grandfather, like he sold his land uh, to send my my parents and my my dad and his siblings to colleges. And everybody was like, why would you sell your land to send your kids to college? They're not going to, you know. So he kind of ended up poor. But my my parents, like my dad and my dad's sisters, they all, like, became really educated and, like, really, like, my dad is a doctor. and Oh, wow. You know, so. He sold, sold his land in India or in here? In India, in India. Like, you know, before, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. Way before. And he moved into town. He sold his land in the village where there are no schools. And uh, and the British never built schools for us. So if you want to have go to a school, you have to go to a town or a city where there is, you know. So even after independence, for the longest time, good schools are always in the cities. So he sold his land and took the money, went to the city. Uh, he he invested it, but he lost it all because you know he didn't understand the city dynamics. Yeah. But in the process, he was able to educate his kids really well. So when, when my, my dad was, uh, he was still trying to make it, I remember my grandfather was like literally penniless. And, and like we, we had enough to eat, but it wasn't like where he had money in his pocket where he could just draw it out and pay for something. 
Yeah. And and but the thing is, everywhere I go, all like literally the entire fucking town. It's not even in India. There are a lot of people, like six million people in my town. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not it's a small town, but it's that many people. Yeah. And everyone, they're like, when is your grandfather showing up, man? We've been waiting for him. We've been waiting for him. Like I go to school, my teachers want to talk to my grandfather. I was like, what the fuck is with the, up with this guy? Like you know, he yeah. got no fucking money. But he's still. Uh, yeah. Like why do you guys want his presence so much? <laughs> Because he's funny, like he yeah. just cracks everybody up. He just talks about. Had a good mindset about yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, this is a real story. One of my schools, he came to join me in the school, and and um, while he was joining me in the, in the school, he was having a conversation with the principal, and he asked him like, and he remembers like people and their generations. Mm-hmm. So he asked him his name, and then he's like, "Oh, your dad is so and so," and I I think all your brothers they're all in America, right? And uh, he was like, yeah, all my brothers, they're all doctors. They all went to America. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Just roasting the yeah. principal. <laughs> you know, why would you sit here and teach 13-year-old kids all your life? Is this what you want to do with your life? I can teach these kids. You go to America. <laughs> you know, he was like roasting this guy, this guy, right? You won't believe it. Like halfway into my school year, that school got sold. That guy sold his school, <laughs> took the money, Went to America, <laughs> came back, <laughs> went to medical school, and then went back to America. <laughs> All because of your grandfather. I, I, I mean, like, I, mean <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, but yeah. the conversation, I was there. <laughs> and he I'm did. sure he probably got that from other people. Yeah, too, yeah. But I just, like, for me, it's like, dude, like, this guy comes to, like, join me in the school and the fucks up the whole damn school. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Selling the. Did your, like, would your family were they su- supportive of you going into like arts, or did they want you to go be like go to college, be an, a doctor, a, yeah. a, you know, a actual profession in quotation marks? Well, uh, the thing was like, like they in India, like uh, arts used to be like really big. Like we had like you know storytelling called Harikatha, Burakatha. Mm-hmm. These are like stories that people professionally come village to village and tell these mythical stories in, in a form of a song and a dance. And, you know, these are like really big hit. Like I've seen them when I was a kid. But the thing is, those people never made any money. They're literally begging. Like, you know, they perform and then they go around collecting funds from people. Yeah. So that was because of that reason, arts were kind of looked down in a way. And, and, um, and, and also, other thing is like my grandfather was the first generation out of British occupation. So for him, like he's like either really get people educated, and and India also went through a big change as soon as we got the independence. What year was that? This is like 1947. Okay. But what happened was like during British time, um, lower caste people were very oppressed. And the the division was very high, like you know, caste division was really mm-hmm. bad. So when India got its independence, Gandhi and Nehru and what they did is they they got this guy called Ambedkar, who is from the lower caste, and 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 got and he's a very well educated, very you know, very intelligent person, and asked him to to create Indian Indian constitution, like write Indian constitution, and and he heavily borrowed from British and American constitution. And Indian constitution is the biggest constitution in the world. It's all about like civil rights and you know, and and uh, out of that there is also one of the things where he's like, for ten years, all the all the people of lower caste should get ninety percent or or whatever like you know reservations, uh, for all government jobs and and in government schools. So even if they have a lower score, they w- because you know th- their living situation was bad. So you can't expect them to compete with someone who's richer. Yeah. So they were, they could get into a, a government school which is free. But the thing is, a lot of us like I'm considered an upper caste, even though I mean my parents are, uh, my grandparents are farmers, but I'm considered an upper caste, and 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 these are not like the Hindu. F- Hinduism only divides by four castes. Mm-hmm. But the society in India is divided by several thousand castes, because people really? broke. The, yeah, people literally like broke into clans, 
So this is not, it really has nothing to do with religion anymore. This is, and, and even though I'm considered, I'm, uh, for example, I'm, I'm considered a ready caste, which is considered an upper caste, but there are a lot of people who are also poor within it because they're all farmers. Like, like for example, my grandfather, he had a land, so he was rich. Mm -hmm. But then when he sold it and he lost it all, you know, moved into city to get education for his kids. And when, when his kids are ready to go to college, the wall for them is they can't get into good schools because of reservation. You know, and they that you know when they try to correct one wrong, they they created another wrong. You know, yeah. They fixed one problem, and and the ten years which Ambedkar put in, now is literally like almost like eighty years. That those things continue because politicians also don't want to approach it because. They don't approach it as a whole, like problem solving. They're always like, okay, if I do this, I might hurt this group of people. If I make this change, I might hurt that group of people. But if I don't make any change, nobody is going to become, you know, like the problem still is there. But since I didn't touch it, I didn't create it, I can't be blamed. Is that. So Does that hurt more people in the long run? Well, it is getting to a point because what happens is the people that are educated, so the first generation of, of, of lower caste people, now most of the administrative positions are held by lower caste people in India, like IAS, IPS, like, you know, Indian Police Service, Indian mm -hmm. Administrative Service, all these service jobs, all these jobs, and, and, and a lot of doctors, you know, emerged because of that, which is really good. But now the justification is if you are already have taken advantage of it and become a doctor, should your son still get this advantage? Or should he be com competing with everybody else? And, 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 and if you think about it ethically, he shouldn't because he, he's j the generation wealth has been created. Yeah. You know, he so you're stuck in the cast of your parents or grandparents? Well, it's because of the system. It's not like I, I don't I don't even tell my cast anybody. Like, you know, I don't follow it. There is right, no ritual right. to follow with it. But, but in society in society because the, the, the benefits are all associated to your caste. But the the government's benefits are associated to your caste. And are you like when you're born, are you lab you're put in a caste? Yes, because it's like your last name. Like, you know, you, you're mm -hmm. born into a family. That is your family. Like, uh, yeah, you know, so it's not like you can get out of it. It's like you were born, born a Mormon. You can't switch castes once you're... Well, you can switch a religion. There is no such thing as I, I can't switch. But the thing is, like, I can't say, since I'm born into a ready, mm -hmm. I can't go and say, from now on, I'm going to be a lower caste person. Give me the benefits. You know, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like, so the way to approach it is like, I personally think is to go by the wealth gap at this point. After 50 years, you know, we have a couple of generations took advantage of that, that program. Mm -hmm. And I feel, you know, that is a lot of people, th the argument is coming up. But at the same time, there are, there are still places, because India is a huge country. I mean, we have a billion people. Yeah. And, and we, India has only been free for like 70 years. And and the way they want to do it is, the 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 inequalities created by caste they want to get rid of them, and it is working to a point because now you have lower caste people educated, but we are not still there yet, where we can say all of our lower caste people are uplifted. Do you think there comes a point when there is no longer a caste system? If you think about it, in, in uh, actual religion, there is no longer the caste system. Because there was a time during British that, that upper caste people wouldn't allow lower caste people into the temples. And that kind of shit is all illegal now. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, you can't discriminate someone because of their caste. That is illegal. The, the funny part is, Brit before British ruled, like if I look at my ancestral, uh, like, you know, uh, like history, People don't know what caste they are before British. And, and before British, according to Hindus, there, there are four castes, and they're not based on your birth. They're based on what you do. And there is a story within, within Mahabharata where this guy, Karna, 
is born as a even though he is born as a he is born to a kshatriya woman but he is he got he is given away mm-hmm. and nobody knows what he is born as but he is brought up as a as a, as a son of a um um thing there is like brahmana kshatriya sudra he is bo- he is brought up as a son of a sudra like a fisherman mm-hmm. but he is a very good archer and and uh, when the princes of the of the kingdom they were they were giving their archery demonstration he goes and challenges them for a fight like you know for a demonstration like i can do better than you guys yeah. and they say well you're not a prince you can't compete against us and then one of the princes steps out and he says listen guys i am giving him a kingdom of mine so he is a prince now so immediately he is allowed to you know there was some discussion but he is allowed to compete so what does that say that says that as as soon as a sudra person became a kshatriya by taking the kingdom mm-hmm. he he was able to do what he couldn't do before and and the way it was explained was in the, you know because i read a lot you know yeah it was explained is like brahmins and 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 educators like pundits like brahmins not brahmins like pundits like educators mm-hmm. and priests and and uh, uh, doctors um writers they all come in as brahmins and 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 they are, they say like they come from brahma's head because that's where the brain is mm-hmm. it is not because of wi- which caste you're born you could be a dumbass and you you know yeah but based on what you do and and then there is like like sudras are the people working and then there is like businessmen and then there are kshatriyas which are kings and you know they are the rulers they come from the shoulders that shows the strength and then and then businessmen i believe come from the hands because they you know they transact and you know yeah. and then and then sudras come from the feet because feet do th- all the work like leg work mm-hmm. and and the entire society is run by by the sudras because they are the they are the farmers they are the the workers and and then that is all there was and then um from that later on the society you know how societies get fucked up yeah uh, uh people that clean toilets and and people that do the dirty work were kind of segregated as untouchables and and it started from from the uh, the feeling of like you know they were doing the cleaning and i don't want to touch them that became to a point where if you're born into this 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 family i'm not going to touch you you are considered dirty and and the society pushed it to an extreme point where the upper caste people started feeling like you know th- the thing is like if you are born to a brahmin like if you're born to a educator chances are you would become an educator because schools are not available for people so you learn your parents are like whatever they do mm-hmm. so in a way that also contributed to this lineage thing like you know hereditary thing and and so all this like stuff society getting to extreme and and culminated with with the british coming and 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 kind of extracting all the wealth from us and everything acted together so by the time british left we have a really dirt poor country with no ra- natural resources and a population of 98% who can't read or write so even if if we make a law people can't read or write our first step is to educate our people and and for and 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 they did a pretty good job they could have always done a better job mm-hmm. but you know for example israel started in 1947 they did a tremendous job and and but the ta- uh, but the thing for them is it's a, it's a more of a homogeneous pa- th- with all the problems they had the the advantage they had is th- it was a more homogeneous population and and most of them are educated mm-hmm. we started with a population that is like you have every religion there is every, you know and every and and we are all divided into these clans of castes and there is really no rule or basis for it anymore some castes you don't even know what the fuck they do you know they're just yeah. there like somehow they came up and 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 now even now the politicians you know how they think you know they want groups they would rather deal with groups of people than individual people right even in america that's what we do liberals and conservatives and yeah and there it's like you are ready cast you know you are you know we will give you these benefits you know uh, we will give whatever's you whatever's the easiest yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And do they use the you said that like the religion isn't really tied to it anymore? Do they use that in like a bad like in yeah. America they yeah. do that? You yeah. look at the right yeah. and you like see how they use religion yeah. to kind of like yeah. push ideas or yeah. ideologies onto people that aren't really there, but exactly. it's because of this certain yeah. like. Because the thing is, like uh, you know what, like for example, BJP, right? BJP mm-hmm. um, is a is considered a Hindu, you know, Hindu. Uh, some people say fundamental party, but I wouldn't go that extreme. But at the same time, they they think they are they are carrying the weight of the of the Hindus. You know, they think they are representing Hindus, but I feel like what they're actually doing is not representing us. They're they're assuming they're representing us. You know, you you know Hindus. For us, uh, Muslims came to India. Christians came to India. It was never that where Hindus attacked them. Yeah. They attacked us. It was never like we wanted them to leave. We, you know, a lot of people came to India, you know, from Alexander till like, you know. But the thing is, the religions that came, they came, they were more insecure than the people there are. And one of the things that they, um, this is something I got from Discovery. Um, You know how they say they, they made drugs illegal? In, in India, Christianity is considered a failure because um, after 200 years of British rule and, and missionaries, they could only convert 10% of the Indian population. And, and when they looked at it, like, why is that? Because for us, God is everywhere. You can't give him a name. In fact, our God is a female. We call her Jaganmata, like Mother Universe. Mm-hmm. And from her came Vishnu, Shiva, and Brahma. And they are only representatives for each 14 worlds. In in every 14 worlds, they change. So we are never loyal to them. Our worlds could change, but but, uh, we are loyal to Jaganmata, Mother Universe. And a lot of Westerners don't get that. They come in and they say, and for us, God, uh, in Bhagavad Gita, it says, God, respo- God says, I w- you pray to me however you want to pray. I will respond to you in that form. So literally, I could pray to this mic right here, and I could see God here. So when Christians came and said, Jesus Christ is Son of God, we had no problem accepting it. We didn't say, we don't accept, we want to kill you. Whereas Muslims had that issue. Muslims did not accept that, so they were fighting. So a lot of times, you know, when, when the Christians, at least in missionaries, when they try to teach us something, we're willing to listen to it. Okay, God could be like that. God could be anything. You know, if you say God could be like that, he could be like that. Yeah, yeah, let, thou shall not sh- steal. Thou shall not kill people. We had no problem with that. So how do you convert someone if you can't convince me what I believe is wrong? It, it, it th- so I went to church when I was a kid, not yeah. a super religious yeah. church, but I did go to church and I didn't, when I was in it, I didn't believe in it. I yeah. think probably in those years I would consider myself an atheist Yeah. and then coming out of church. And when I, when you get to low places yeah. and you can realize God is everywhere, yeah. that is when I found God again in the universe. I yeah. hate the terms. I've talked about this on the podcast, but like our language isn't yeah. um, strong enough to describe what we actually mean. Yeah. So I do yeah. believe in God as yeah. in the universe or wherever, yeah. like prayer. Like when I was in church, I had no connection to God at all. But when I meditate, yeah. that is some of the most spiritual connections I've ever had. Yeah. And it isn't in like an organized religion form which i think is the biggest part problem with christianity is it's like putting structure to something that's structureless well i think what happened over the time in the uh, in both for christianity for, and and islam and and uh, you know because they're the the biggest religions that are trying to spread mm-hmm. in their in their interest in spreading what they thought is right they became insecure to a point where if you don't agree with me i shall kill you you know, and that's when they lost their traction. Because the minute you have to come to me and say, you cannot convince me by your idea that you have to kill me, you have lost to me. You, you know? Yeah. And, and, and they don't understand that. That is what happened to them. What they thought is, Indians, Indians our sannyasis are always smoked up. 
they smoke. So they actually thought because they are smoking marijuana, they are not accepting our facts. They are, they are thinking too much. And, and they, we don't want them to think too much. So we need to ban drugs. And, and, and that is when Geneva Convention happened. And, and that is when they, they made this international ban on, on drugs. I didn't realize this. Is weed like a uh, popular in India? It is, uh, yeah, because um, uh, sen- weed is uh, it's, we call it bonga as well. It's it's we consider it as uh, a medicinal thing, like um, and it's used during festivities, um, and um, our sannyasis they do that. Like they 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 are always meditating. Mm-hmm. These people meditate for months, and they're they are not here anymore. They you know. They they come to a point where they are high, and and they, like for example, um, um, uh, you know Steve Jobs went to India, like you know Beatles went to India. Mm-hmm. They they went to gurus, and that's where they got introduced to these drugs, because that's how they meditate, and and they they feel like those are tools given by God to to achieve a different level of enlightenment that we cannot achieve at our at our regular daily thing. So we talked about we, but have you ever done like psychedelics? I haven't. I I I tried to once. I bought these mushrooms from this guy. They were so fucking bad, and I was sick, and I hated them. Really? Yeah. I I mean I, I so I I never tried. Never tried it. I again. wanted to, but again I didn't. I was I got scared. Like you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I well, we can scared. talk off mic about it. <laughs> 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 I can yeah. might hel- I might be able to help you out with that. Oh, that would be nice. But yeah. do yeah. you have like a connection? To are you religious at all? Do you have a connection to God? Do you? I'm, I'm not religious. I I hate the idea of of trying to put my ideas on someone else. I th- I I like to believe that I like to believe in the intelligence of other people, because I believe God gave all of us intelligence uh, and a sense of right and wrong. Of course, we have si- people with psychological problems that commit crime, mm-hmm. and and I think we should deal with them in that way. Uh, I know the pain of the crime is what hurts us, that we, we want to hit back and punish at them. But a lot of times, I know I'm getting very spiritual here. No, I'm like, loving this. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, like, a like lot of times we're trying to, uh, trying to associate result as if like right now, right here. You know, the revenge has to happen right now, right here. But, but the karma, like, you know, the way uh, we British people are our translators and the way they explain stuff to Westerners is not right. Like, for example, they throw karma at you as a word, as if it doesn't have a meaning. So people say karma and they understand different things about karma. But karma literally means result. There are three things that we talk about. There is karta, karma, and kriya. Karta is the person who do it. Kriya is the verb, the actual act. And karma is the result of it. And the way Bhagavad Gita says it is, this, we look at this life as one cycle, right? Like, like you're born and you die. Mm-hmm. But this is several cycles. So at the end, everything gets evened out. So you, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're every, every action is to do something right, you will never fail. It might look like you're failing. You might experience emotional pain. Like, for example, when you lose someone unfairly, we are, like, pissed off. We want to take the revenge. You caused me this pain. But, but the thing is, like, what it says is this is all transcendent. It's like when you play a video game, you lose your friend. Mm-hmm. They will respond. You just don't know. Yeah. You know? And, 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 and this is something else I was thinking about when I was really high. I'll share it with you. Um, I actually think we are already in heaven. We just don't know it because our economists are wrong. They always said we had limited resources, which means everybody has to be greedy and get everything they can. But now that we are getting, we are able to harvest energy from sun, we need to come to a term where our resources are, are, are not limited. I I agree. I think this, I don't know if this is what you're talking about, but I think um, we are greedy about time and energy, too. Like, we used to think there was only, let's let's stand up. There's only a certain amount of spots. If you're not those five people, you're never going to do it. But then you realize, no, if you help everyone else grow, 
Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the the spiritual uh, teacher Ramdas, but he talks about. I, I didn't hear that. He talks about, and I've talked about this on the podcast, but he talks about like seeing a crazy man on the street screaming that he's Jesus. Yeah. And he walks up to the guy and he's like, "That's great, man! Like you're Jesus, I'm Jesus too. Like that guy's Jesus, that guy's Jesus." And the guy's like, "No, shut the fuck up! I'm Jesus, you're not Jesus." Then the guy's like, "Oh." He's not Jesus because he doesn't realize we all are. Where it's like, it's when you realize anyone can be special and anyone can do it, then we all rise up together. It's not this greedy mentality of yeah, like yeah. me versus everybody. Yeah. It's no, anyone can yeah. do it and yeah. I should help those people yeah, out. We have to trust each other. Like a lot of times, like if someone is not. Do you mind turning on the AC, Ani? Thanks. I feel like if someone is failing at something, maybe they either, you know, there is usually a reason. And one of the reasons could be like they're not doing what they're good at. Because a lot of times we fall into the trap. Like we think we're good at something because we get influenced by people around us. Yeah. But our, our calling is something else. And then we are failing at this and we're kicking ourselves saying like, oh man, I suck. My life sucks. I'm miserable. All Everybody is so successful around me. And all along, like you are like not born to do that. You know, your skill is set is something else. Like, I went through that. Like, I, I I, was trying to do my IT job. I mean, I'm okay, but I'm not excellent. I'm doing it for, like, 15 years now. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not running, like, the company or I'm not a CTO. And I have friends who are CTOs and, like, you know. And, and I used to beat myself up. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I'm so bad at this. Like, how can I be so bad at this? And, you know, because that's not my calling. And I did not realize it until, you know, much later I started doing what I wanted to do. Stand up. Yeah. And and when I started doing stand up, even though, uh, you know, like uh, literally like last three, four years, I, I had such a tremendous growth that I did not see before. Like, you know, for like three years I was doing it on and off. But when I actually committed to it and started doing it, things started happening to me. Because talent... Or being good at something is like the ticket to play. Like be, but then I think people like sit on that and they don't yeah. want to put. Yeah. Also, outworking other people is where talent yeah. comes from. Like yeah. not taking it seriously, yeah, treating exactly. it like a yeah. profession where you're like, no, this is my calling. We were talking, you were, you were talking about the like cycles. Yeah. Where something i feel very blessed with is that i realized in this cycle that i'm on i'm picking comedy because when i was a kid when i was growing up i didn't know i wanted to be a baseball player i wanted yeah. to be a chef i wanted to write movies i wanted to and you can't do all that yeah. comedy is the thing like that's my thing and yeah. on maybe another cycle i can be a chef but yeah. that's not what i'm going to focus on in this lifetime what i'm going to focus on is being a comedian and putting everything into that. Yeah. And maybe in the next life, yeah. I can do my other dream. Yeah. I can put my work fully into yeah. being a movie star, whatever yeah. the fuck that and, is. And you know, you, you will find success in weirdest ways. You know, there are people that, that tried to play professional f sports, couldn't make it, became excellent coach. I'm not saying like, you know, like, like you know, we are always trying to, like, we, we I feel like we are, we, we tend to tr try to uh, define ourselves based on who's around us. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes I think we need to like, because like when I started comedy, there was nobody I know around me. I used to go to these bars and clubs where I had nobody I know, like nobody to talk to. And, and you know, I was scared. Like, you know, I never been to those areas before, you know. I didn't know if my car is safe outside. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And, and, but the thing is, my calling was like, in my gut, I was like, I have to be here. This is what I want to do. And I just wish if everybody could find that. Like, if there is one thing I wish upon people is that they find what they love to do, like truly love to do. I, th I, think, I think if we all really concentrate on that and stuff like gathering wealth around us, our, our things around us, I think we'll be a much better, and, and we can literally have that heaven on earth. We have, because even if you are in heaven, right, wouldn't heaven get boring if, if the shit is same over and over and over? Yeah. But, but how would you make heaven better? Think about it. 
you would actually make it better by coming back and going and coming back and going, right? And and then every time you come back, you would like to have a different experience, right? You don't want and and what would be better if you can remember until you finish it? Then you have when you go back, you have the culmination of all your experiences, and then you're like, okay, in my next life, if I want to do this, you know, I want to come back as an eagle. Yeah. You know, and then you get to pick. Like imagine that would be heaven, right? Like. You come back and you do what you want to do. You go back and you brag with your friends, have a couple of drinks, and then you're like, all right, man, I'm going to go back and play this again. You know, experience a different life. And and I feel like uh, that's how it works. So we are already in heaven, but we don't get it, so we are fucking up sh stuff for each other. And, and if we just, like, mind our own fucking business, you know, do what makes us happy as long as it's not killing or hurting someone else or causing pain to someone else. There are times where you cause pain inadvertently, like you don't yeah. mean to. But blame that on karma, but like don't do harm to someone because you want to do harm, because you want to take a revenge, because let shit work it out. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I feel like yeah. if we, even that Jesus Christ thing, like when you're telling me about that guy screaming about Jesus Christ, if that's what giving him joy, why the fuck do you want to stop him? Like, you know, let him scream out Jesus Christ in the corner of a street, He's not bothering no one, right? Yeah. Why would I stop him? Like, if the guy wants, that's what makes him happy, and that's what he wants to do for eight hours a day, let him do it. Okay. But, uh, so, your wa you were talked about your wife saying, hey, you're going to be an unhappy person if you yeah. don't. What was the, like, what was that point that you realized this, that you were like, I, I am going to follow my dream. I'm not just going to, Yeah. you know? Because, um, the to tell you the truth, this is like always in the back of my head. Like I want to be a stand-up comedian, but th but I was influenced by people around me. Like you know, my dad is a doctor, and uh, maybe I should be a doctor. And then I realized, like my uh, at the time in our life, my dad is not in a position to send me to college for uh, eight years, and and with my track record, like I don't think I would be able to really finish it, even if I go. Mm -hmm. And and the next step is like how could I go to four years of college and and come out with a guarantee job? And my focus was like what is there that would give me a job? And I think this is what a lot of Indian kids do, like you know, uh, because we come from that that environment where we lacked everything, you know. We you know and and if we want to succeed, what do we do? Like how do we get to the next step? And and for me that was IT at the time. It was it just seemed like okay, everything is going to be automated and, and everybody wanted, you know, work with computers. Yeah. And the pro I, I, I read some Fortran program at the time and it was about, like, uh, like doing some math and I was like, okay, even if I could automate all the math shit, you know, that'd be cool. So I started doing computer science, but I, I liked it, but my real calling is to entertain people. Uh, and um, But and did I there come, like, a point where you realized that? Um, uh, when I emceed my, uh, I mean, I was doing it. Um, I did the movies. Movies was the point where I, I went to drop off my, my brother at his college and there is a, the poster for New York Film School. Mm -hmm. And I, I called the number and they said, like, we have a deal right now for half price if you come during summer. And I went and did it for six weeks and then I started working in films. But um, I was enjoying the part where I was I work with the scene and I, I make it funny, you know. Or I, I, I actually am always enjoying the attention, like, you know. Like in the set when people say I did something good, like, you know, I always try to innovate new stuff, you know. Yeah. Just for the and stand-up's great for yeah. quick reaction. You know exactly yeah. if something's yeah. good or not. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm always, like, making comments during the time. I was like, yo, man, that didn't work. Do something else. And upset the director like sometimes you know I'm, I'm the assistant director and and the director should be the one making the yeah. call but i'm like yo that shit don't work <laughs> you know that's not funny like who the fuck told you that's funny like, you know that line is not working like look at them you know yeah and then they get upset like i got kicked out of a couple of sets <laughs> like that <laughs> I, I, but but through that it, it, it was a long process for me you know um if i didn't have that that thing bothering me about my accent I would have been in Greenwich Village in 2000. Like, if my accent wasn't, if I didn't think of it as my handicap, yeah, I would have been there in 2000. 
but because i thought of its its handicap i was there much later in like 2014 but you're here now like you're you're making something now. Oh, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, that got you were right. That I was that right, voice. Yeah. Anyone listening, like that voice in the back of your head, yeah. is right. And, and the thing is, this entire transformation that I'm talking to you about, this all came to me after I started doing comedy. After I, I started truly being happy with myself, I could do a mic where there are all the other comics looking into their material that they're not even paying attention. But when I throw a punchline, I get a little, <laughs> you know that may that used to make my day yeah it's like yo those people were not even paying attention to you like in my head you know and they laughed at that bit like you know if imagine if i could take that in a club full of people those motherfuckers would be on the floor you know yeah and and i used to drive like i used to drive into city um you know like you know in a weekend like try to do like three four mics end of the day i probably performed in front of like two or three actual live people because you know how mics are but like, it's uh, Still, yeah, like still, like you know, it's like. But one of the things I also really enjoyed is like, especially with 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 um, you know, I used to do mics with like Eliezer Guzman. Mm -hmm. uh, he has a mic in um, in in um, in Amboy, Perthamba, Amboy, okay. in New Jersey. It's a bar mic, so there's always people there. Yeah. And I and I used to like as I'm driving there, I used to think of a joke and work it out multiple times, like, and then I I take it on stage like the same day. And sometimes it works, and I'd be like on the top of the world, like yo, like that was the fastest like anybody <laughs> ever wrote it. Like I don't know, but like yeah, you know, it just to make me feel good, like you know. So yeah, driving, I even now I don't hit as many mics because you know I'm getting to a point where I'm getting shows. Mm, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but uh, it's cool, like you know, I uh, even in shows, like like and I do like you know eight minutes, I try to throw in a joke, like new joke. Yeah, so I could, you know, it's it's fun, and then if I if that hits, I'm like on the moon. <laughs> That's the best for yeah the new getting a new joke that's what we're and I we're wrapping up but that's what we were talking about in the beginning was like you get stuck in those first jokes that work yeah. but you forget the feeling that's why you like the first time you get a big laugh yeah. that feeling is so amazing that you forget that you enjoy it more yeah. when you try something new and it gets a laugh than doing something that you've done a hundred times yeah. and it gets a laugh but because you know other thing is we, we miss this i feel like i'm not an expert at this I'm, I'm still figuring this shit out but like one of the things i feel like if i do a joke over and over the fat gets cut mm -hmm. and you really have like what really works like a lot of times I, I think of something and it's like a concept and, and I, I initially think it in my head, it's like a freaking six minute bit. But then over time it becomes really two minutes. Yeah. Or thirty seconds. Yeah. Or I'll have a story that becomes a one liner. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah. I thought this was gonna be my clothing st clothing yeah. story, but yeah. it's a one liner one -liner, of another yeah. bit that yeah. I didn't even yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and like when you do longer sets it's it's kind of cool to like something you think would be like a like a three or four minute bit like you know you're not sure you put it in there and then see how the people are feeling it and then you like kind of note like where are all the fatties mm -hmm. and then you like and then you're like okay now they they need a payoff right away like you you go into a quicker bit yeah because you kind of held them back for a little bit you know right and you take that off yeah. and you kind of refine it yeah, and you like get that tight set yeah and so. Thank you very much for coming thanks, on. Man. This was a great conversation. Oh, I'm thanks, really man. happy so we got fun. to do this. Yeah. yeah How long do we do, Ani? Like an hour ten? Perfect. Awesome. What do you have? Any shows coming up? Dates coming up? Well, right now, this weekend, I've been uh, opening for Jared Freed. Um, oh, at, Jared's a oh, hilarious yeah. comic, hilarious. great dude. Yeah. yeah. And and his sets are very dynamic. Like he, you know. Like each set, like I, s I like to watch people on stage. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and with the Bridgeport, the the comedy club is really well built. Like oh, I've never been to that club. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to really check cool. it out. Like the green room is like so big, man. It's amazing. And then the they pump out the voice in all the rooms, like green room and bathroom. Oh, so and you everything. can hear it. You can hear it. So I could hear him, and and his his his. Um, even though even if the material is same, the set is dynamic. Like he. He's he so good. Yeah. yeah. Are you gonna come with him to Laugh Boston when he does that? I don't know. This is the first time I got paid. Oh, this him. is your first. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I actually, it wasn't like he didn't like he didn't know that it would be me. I think uh, Stress Factory put me there. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's this is like my and then we have two more shows, 
I'm gonna ask him if I could go with him. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you should. That's yeah. All. I'm like, I get worried about asking though, because like some sometimes they be like, you really think you're that good? You can, you know, like, you know, yeah. Because they're like really big comics. I don't want to like hurt their ego. <laughs> I I totally feel the same way. Like yeah. for this podcast, I I have a lot of rappers on this podcast, and yeah. I feel comfortable talking to rap. But I feel more awkward like asking a comedian yeah. to come on because it's like. I don't know why. It's like we're doing the same. Th- I don't want yeah. you to judge my work. Yeah, you yeah, know, if I don't yeah. have the same work as you, I don't care if you judge yeah. it. But we're doing the same say, thing. Like you should be like confident, but I am confident. But at the same time, you don't want to be overbearing. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to step on other people's toes. Like you know, I want to keep to my little space. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and even now, like I used to ask people a lot, like for guest spots, just because I used to think like, like. You give me a guest part, and if I disappoint you once, I will never ask you again. Yeah. But if I don't ever ask you, you are never going to get to see me, and that's like me denying you an option, right? You know? Yeah. At least that's what I used to No, do. I have that problem. Some of my best gigs that I've gotten has been from me reaching out, yeah. but then I still feel scared to reach oh, yeah. out, you oh, know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't ever want to ask for spots, Oh, yeah, you a know? lot of my friends in the beginning, they'll be like, yo, man, you shouldn't be asking people like that. They take it bad. I, like this one time, I drove this comic to his show. Like this other comic was going, and 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 the guy who's producing the show, mm-hmm. he's also going. And I drove him through the tunnel, paid sixteen bucks, you know, to go to their show. Yeah. Just so I could hang out, you know. I'm not on the show. This is like you know, yeah, I'm you're trying to get into city, you know. Exactly. And then I I I got there, and the the comics like few people didn't show up, so I went up to him. I was like, Yo, man, can I get five minutes? And he said, um, you know, he actually gave it to me, you know. But later on, the other comic who's my friend told me, like, yo, um, he was kind of offended that you came up to him and asked him asked him for a guest part like that. He don't even know you that well. I was like, bro, I just drove him through the fucking tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> like, what more do you want to know me, you know? Yeah. We sat through the fucking tube for, like, you know, 15 minutes or, like, whatever. And we were together. Like, you, he knows me well enough. If he's offended with that, fuck him, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're like, you know, but those things, like, imprint on your head. You're like, maybe that is bad. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way, yeah. But if I don't ask, like, how the fuck are they going to know I'm good? Right, and I f- believe in myself. Yeah. I have that voice telling me that I want to prove myself. Like, exactly, yeah. It, I wouldn't ask for a situation I'm not ready for. And I yeah. think... Some people ask for situations they're and, not ready yeah. for, and that's where it gets fucked I, I up. I think they're doing it for a, But us, I'm not yeah. going to ask for something that I know I'm not prepared for. Exactly, yeah. Because I don't want to embarrass myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to look like a dickhead. I don't want to yeah. make you look like a dickhead. I'm trying to help you. You know what I mean? I'm not going to tell you I can do 30 minutes unless I know I have 50 minutes and 30 minutes of good material. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, exactly. Like, because if I come up there and I only have 22 minutes and then... Eight minutes, are you're bored as fuck. You're going to remember those eight minutes. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're not like, going to remember yeah, the rest. Yeah, you're not going to remember the le- rest, and I don't want to take the chance. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Man, thank you very much. Thanks thank for coming you. out thank to the so city much. for doing this. Thank Thanks, you. Bro. I had a lot of fun. Of course. What's your social media so people uh, can yeah, find it? At comic underscore wish with a V, V-I-S-H. And everyone go listen to his stuff on YouTube. What, where's the camera? There it is. Uh, it's Thanks. hilarious. There, you have so many clips up on YouTube that are oh, hilarious. Yeah. Really good. Thank You're you good so at much. promoting your stuff, and I'm everyone should go to, watch that. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to write more and put it out. I figured that's the best way to get people to buy tickets. Yeah. And if I can get people to buy tickets, clubs will book me. You know? Exactly. Yeah. People don't want like. Yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. So much.